here, boys. Pick it up, pick it in. Great job there, Homestar. Um, I'm sorry, what? I, uh, I see you did a great job out there. I did a great what? A great job. Oh, man. Bum Bum, you gotta check this out. Okay, coach, tell Bum Bum what I did today. Er, uh, well, I was just telling Homestar here that he'd done a great job. <laughs> Coach, that's ridiculous. We've got to do something about that. Oh, job. Oh, job. Coach, see, you need to make your mouth into an O like this. You mean like this? Okay, coach, let's give this one more try. Repeat after me. Job. Job. <coughs> yes, uh, this sounds very good. Uh, my only recommendation would be next time, try to add some more syllables. Perhaps three, perhaps four. <laughs> oh jeez, I'm just not cut out to say the word jerb. How am I ever gonna face the boys at practice tomorrow? Uh, Coach Z, I heard about your problem and I think that I can help. This is a tape I made from when I was practicing the dictionary. Listen to it while you slumber, that tomorrow you may wake to find hey, a- wow! Thanks a lot, Strong Sid! Job. 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 Well, coach, how'd I do today? Well, I tell ya, you did a great job, hamstray. <sighs> oh, wait, I mean hamster. I mean strumster. I mean... Stairmaster! Homegrown! Ramrod? Humble? Alright everybody, kind of a big day in the Trips Tennis Talk universe. You are listening to Trips Tennis Talk, the amateur podcast about professional tennis, and today it's going to be about some other things as well. 
Oh yes, the edition for today. It's going to be the Wimbledon quarterfinal edition, and it's also going to be personal story time edition. If you're here to get the lowdown on the Wimbledon quarterfinals from today, Thursday, or Wednesday, July 12th, Wednesday, July 12th, I will be coming to that in a little bit, but I'm going to present that through the first topic today, just a little TikTok of my day this morning. So, this morning, woke up at 5 a.m. for the tennis matches. It was a similar situation that I described on yesterday's pod, where I was definitely on the edge in that moment. I really wanted to sleep in, but in the end, got myself out of bed, got up and got the matches on. Coffee was made a little faster today. I made sure to make it during the first half hour before the second match started, so I'd only have to worry about taking my iPad from room to room and not missing anything. See, I learned from yesterday. Um, And that first match that came on was... um, Which one was it? It was the Sabalenka match, that's right. It was Sabalenka against Keys. Sabalenka had no problem. That was the only match that I saw the complete broadcast of from start to finish. And uh, Sabalenka got that win over Keys, 6-2-6-4. Sabalenka got the quick lead, blitzed Keys early. It was definitely closer in the second half of the match, but Sabalenka held on to win, and uh, the scoreline was pretty routine, 6-2-6-4. I'm going to come back to these in more depth later on in the pod. Over on center court, Jabor was taken on Rybakina, or Rybakina, sorry. Jabor was taken on Rybakina, and she was definitely struggling early in that one, and I caught most of that match. Jabor eventually prevailing to get back to the Wimbledon semifinals, 6-7-6-4-6-1 against the defending champion, Rabakina is out, and most of those, most of the two women's matches, I watched at home. Um, I was when I left home this morning. I was going on a thirty-six hour business trip. That was my intention. I packed last night. I put my business outfit in the car. I put my suitcase in the car. The only thing. I would have to do in the morning, I would have to put my pillbox in the car, maybe a toothbrush, but other than that, I could wake up and I could um, watch the matches for two hours approximately, and I had a cutoff date, cutoff time in my mind, um, approximately 715 I knew I had to be leaving town at about 7.45. I knew I had to be in the line at a coffee place at about 7.30. So that means I needed to get uh, out of the house at about 7.15. And that means I needed to stop fully focusing on the tennis about um, uh, 7 a.m. Pacific time, 3 p.m. London time. That's when I needed to leave. 
So I did get a good hour and a half of ex- of full attention action today, and I was thankful for that. So at that time, 7 a.m., um, I was leaving on my business trip, 7.30. And I should say, as we're taping this, it is uh, 5.31 p.m. on Wednesday where I'm at, and that means it is um, 1.30 a.m. late Wednesday night in London after today's play. So I left at 7 or 8. I left at 8. Yeah, I left at 8. And um, the place I was going, I was going on a business trip. And the first leg of that business trip was to Kennewick, Washington. And the purpose of the business trip was I had some job interviews lined up because for the last month or so... I've been in the job market. I'm going to keep it intentionally vague because these things live forever and you want to keep it, you know, I want to respect the privacy of everybody involved, myself included, as much as possible with this. Um, Left at 8. When I left the house, I left the house in my casual clothes. My intent was to stop at a rest station on the way over there and change halfway through because I didn't want to get real sweaty. I didn't want to go into my job interview wearing the fancy outfit, being all sweaty in it. So with about an hour out from, you know, halfway through after the first hour, I stopped at a rest station. I changed then. Um, and I have to say, that, that was the, uh, the Boardman, the Boardman, Oregon rest station. They had a nice bathroom to change in. I was kind of impressed by that, actually. So, and there were sanitation workers there doing their job when I was uh, there this morning. So, shout out to that. That was a nice changing room. It wasn't filthy and disgusting, so I appreciated that. Um, I still didn't take my socks off, though. I changed my socks in the car. There was no way I was letting my bare foot touch that tile. No way. Um... And, uh, so about, uh, about 9.15 a.m., got back in the car, drove the last hour. I got three phone calls in a five-minute span when I was in the car. The first phone call was the eye place calling me to tell me something, because I went to the eye doctor yesterday. Then the second phone call was the eye place again, telling me they screwed something up in the first phone call. Then the third phone call was uh, a name that I did not recognize. And the third phone call didn't answer that one. The first phone call I didn't answer. The second time the iPlace called me, I did answer. I could barely hear what they were saying. I just said, yep, uh-huh, sounds good, hung up. The third phone call I did not answer because, number one, I was pissed that I got three phone calls in five minutes, which never, ever, ever, ever happens. And two, I needed to shift into focus mode. With the tennis during this time, I had, I had been listening on the radio, the Wimbledon radio app. So the first couple of sets of the Eubanks-Medvedev match, I was definitely aware of. I was listening to the radio coverage of that in real time. And um, I'm trying to think, when I went in, when I, sh- when I turned it off, Medvedev was down two sets to one. Eubanks was up two sets to one when I turned it off. I'm trying to remember if I listened to the fourth set. 
I think I did, actually. I think I did listen to the fourth set. Because I remember the radio people talking about how Medvedev was winning the fourth set, and then he got ahead in that fifth set. Um, I started listening from the first point of the Alcaraz-Runa match when that started. Um, but then when it became apparent that Eubanks was making a run at beating Medvedev, I switched over to that one. The Wimbledon radio app is great. They have dedicated feeds for court one and center court. So it's kind of like ESPN+. Plus. You can pick your feed between center court and court one for radio. So I definitely enjoyed that. That's definitely a, a, a perk of the Wimbledon app. And it's free. Um, but about 10 o'clock, actually before that, probably about 9.45 a.m. my time, that is when I turned it off and I started to shift into focus mode because I figure if you really want a job, you need to be thinking about it You know, an hour, you know, at least a couple hours before you go into the interview. You need to start to block out all the distractions. And in the car, I was talking about, or I was thinking about questions they would ask me, and I would practice what I was going to say in the car. And uh, that was definitely a good thing. It definitely made me feel more comfortable. So turning the match coverage off at that point, that was definitely the correct decision. I got to my interview location in Kennewick, Washington, at about 10.15 a.m., and at that point, I checked my phone, and I came to the realization that that third person that had called me was from a school district that I had applied for, and um, uh, I looked at the transcript, I looked at the iPhone message transcript, and it was something to the effect of, hey, this is so-and-so from this place, we need you to call us. And I had been totally ignorant up to that point. But at that point, I came to the realization that, oh my gosh, there could be a job offer happening here. And this is the place, if you go back and listen to the Day 3 podcast from last Wednesday, July 5th, that is the interview that this person was connected to. So, very, very interesting. And sure enough, it was that person, that job, that spot, calling me to offer a job on the Oregon coast. And I did not react well in that moment. I do not react well to success sometimes. I definitely sort of stumbled over my words, kind of panicking. But in essence, I told the person... I'm, I've got some other stuff happening, which I did, and I'm going to need until Friday to figure this out. She said, okay, hung up the phone, and this is all minutes before I walk into this other building to do this other interview. Um, and I also had two interviews scheduled for later in the week, actually three. So I was embarking on, a, on the first leg of a four-interview tour, two in person, two on Zoom, and um, in that moment, I was definitely panicking, because I didn't know what to do. At that moment, the choice was not clear. At that moment, the, the I of the four, I definitely had two that were in the top tier, 
two that were in the bottom tier. And the, t- the, the question for me at that moment was, are the two in the top tier? You know, one of them was the job that I was just offered. The other one was the job that I was just about to interview for. So, um, at that moment, taken equally, let's see, I, I do want to put this diplomatically. Taken equally, if I had offers from both of these places, there are certainly more resources, and it's certainly a bigger population at the place that I was interviewing at, at Kennewick. Kennewick is a bigger city than the Oregon coast. That's just a fact. And to a guy that has been trying to avoid small... You know, I I wonder if I can even say this. Hmm. Um... Let's see. Um, uh, but th- uh, suffice to say, um, my top two choices, they were converging at that moment. And um, at that point, you know, one job having been offered and the other one not having been offered at that point, I was absolutely trending toward taking the job that had been offered at that point. Absolutely. So there was no question about that. Um, and, um, uh, so I went in to this place to do this interview. I uh, went in there, did it, felt great. I, I gave slightly more, um, vivacious answers, shall we say, since it was kind of like a free roll. I had nothing on it when I walked into the room because I knew, you know, if I, if I, if I ace this, great. If I fail this interview, great, because I got this in my back pocket that just happened. And the emotions of, it, of having it happen just minutes before, I was definitely not used to that situation. Um, so I did that interview, and then they t- I asked them in the interview what their timeline was, and they said today. And that definitely got my attention. So at that point, I also made this decision at that point. I had been offered the job on the Oregon coast, and uh, to me, that um, uh, certainly placed, it it was certainly a more immediate alternative to uh, the other legs of my job interview tour that I had lined up. To put it this way, let's just put it this way, you have to strike while the iron is hot, and uh, taking the job that's out there is definitely the superior option to waiting on that, maybe losing that, and then maybe your other interviews later in the week don't pan out either, and then you end up with nothing again. And um, that's a situation that I absolutely wanted to avoid. Um, And I have to give credit to the Kennewick people. They were really nice. They called me less than an hour after the interview was over. They told me I didn't get it. Um, And in that moment, this is probably 12.30, I was definitely disappointed in, disappointed in that moment because I genuinely thought I was going to get it. That's definitely what they were insinuating. And um, um, but and you know there was a f- f- uh, 
you know, there was disappointment that I didn't have options to choose from, so I was a little bit disappointed. But um, then uh, I came to the realization that I needed to call the the uh, Oregon Coast people back and uh, take this job because it's definitely a job that I wanted. And even if you say, you know, even if they tell you that you have two days of wiggle room, you know, what if you don't? What if I had waited until Friday at 4 p.m. and then taken and then called him back, and then they could, then they said, "Oh, you took too long. We gave the job to somebody else," and I absolutely did not want that to happen. So, uh, I am uh, at about, you know, at about 12:30, I called the 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 person back, and I uh, accepted the job, and that person said, "Great, you're in." And I said, awesome, let's go. I'm looking forward to it. So I officially was given a job on the Oregon coast. It's going to be great. Uh, my exact living location is TBD, but uh, we're still in the very early stages. That transition hasn't even really begun yet. But in all likelihood, it's going to be either in Waldport, Oregon the site of the job, or uh, in Newport, Oregon, and those are towns in the central Oregon coast. So the Oregon Productions studios are going to relocate here, but we're still going to be in the state of Oregon, so looking forward to that for sure, and uh, definitely a moment of triumph, you know, like a tennis player might do, arms in the air, fist pumping, that was definitely happening. And again, this is a weird place to do it. I made this call in the parking lot of a Target Supercenter in a town that I didn't live in after I had just interviewed at, an, at another place that wasn't that place. So it was just a weird situation. Um, so today was definitely a big day. And a weird day and an unusual day. And one with a happy ending at last. So uh, I went to Starbucks, got a celebratory drink, hung out for a bit, and uh, left Kennewick shortly before 2 o'clock to come back home. Now it's 5.46 where I'm at, and uh, here we are. It's good stuff. So yeah, all that to say... uh, for the men's matches, didn't have really an eye on them. I had an ear for some of them, but I didn't see the finish of either one. So just to let's um, now go to the second part of the podcast here. Thank you for sticking out through my personal story there. So let's talk a little bit more about the matches today. Let's start with the two ladies quarterfinals. So Sabalenka got the win over Keys 6-2-6-4 for Keys. Um, Sabalenka played very well, but Keys also did not play very well. Um, lots of unforced errors, just like she had in the match against Andreva and Andreva. I always screw that up. Um, for the match, Keys had 22 errors, and again, Wimbledon is very generous in that number. Um, she won only 37% of her second serve points, not very good. Um, Sabalenka was definitely uh, better on that. She won 52% of her second serve. Huge difference. 
and she also won way more of her first serve points than Keyes did. So, tactically and statistically, Sabalenka definitely better, and also Sabalenka was better in the match play. Keyes, I don't have it in front of me, um, but Keyes, I believe Keyes was up 4-2 or something like that. Actually, I can look that up, the momentum. Um, yeah, Keyes was up 4-2, um, and she had a, a crucial point at some point. Can't remember if it was in that game or the game after that, but um, from 4-3, it looks like, uh, she barely won another point, did Keyes. Sabalenka won almost every point in the last half of the second set there. So definitely tough scenes for Keyes. But that's her career, right? Some some days she can hit winners, and some days she just hits errors. And today she hit a lot of errors. I haven't done plus-minus in a while. I wonder what her plus-minus was. So the plus-minus for Keys off the ground was minus three. And uh, for Sabalenka, it was plus three. So there you go. And for Sabalenka, she's playing well, just like everyone thought she would before the tournament. She is 17-1 and one in Grand Slams this year. And uh, she advances to the semifinals. She has made the semifinals of all three Grand Slams this year. Only one loss in a major this year. That was uh, to, uh, to um, uh, Muhova at the last one. And, uh, you know, I'm sure the tournament is not thrilled to see Sabalenka still in there because of her nationality, but uh, it is what it is. Let's take a listen to what Arena Sabalenka said after the match. Here it comes. Still waiting, still waiting. Here it comes. Oh, come on. Come on, video. All right. Good afternoon. Welcome to the press conference for Arena Sabalenka. Please raise your hand and state your name and organization when asking your question. Uh, Arena, semifinals, how's it feeling? Yeah, it feels amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm super happy to be back in the semifinals and, and uh, really looking forward for my semifinals match. And yeah, I want to do a little bit better than I did last time here. <laughs> Gibbs from the Telegraph. Uh, congratulations! Um, you said on court you felt the crowd. You felt the crowd wanted uh, Madison Keys to. <laughs> was it a struggle for you to play with that atmosphere, with that in mind? No, no, no. Um, I mean, I kind of expected them support her more than me and anyway it was amazing atmosphere i mean i even even if uh, they support her i mean i was i was really enjoying playing in front of them um christian ramich uh, reuters uh you there was a moment in the second set when you were broken and madison looked like she might uh, have a bit of momentum but you snatched it right back and were able to go on and win the set yeah. What what happened there, and what did you tell yourself to sort of make sure that it didn't get away from you? Yeah, I mean, she played unbelievable tennis, um, like the whole match. But in in uh, those like few games, she played unbelievable. And when she was serving uh, for five two for the love up, I was just like kind of telling myself that it's okay. So we're gonna play third set. That's fine. Just uh, try to uh, try to put a little more pressure on her in this set. So she. 
she don't feel that much like uh, confidence in the th going into the third set and I was just like uh, trying trying my best you know and uh, lucky me I won that game somehow and uh, yeah and turn around uh, that uh, second set yeah, right. You've been incredibly consistent over the last year, uh, three semi-finals and, and a win in Australia. Was a bit of it making up for what you missed out on last summer? The, the, the situation out with your control that meant you weren't able to play here, for example? Well, uh, I was... Uh... I was really sad that I couldn't play here last year, but at the same time I was thinking that, okay, it's a good time to kind of flex, uh, um, reset and like start everything over again because before um, before grass season, like uh, I didn't play my best tennis. I was I was struggling a lot with my surf, uh, with, with emotions, with a lot of stuff. And and um, I just took that time as, um, as a good preparation, as a good, uh, like this little switch, you know, and, and then everything started working better. So I think that in, in, in those, uh, um, I don't know, like how many weeks, probably three or four weeks, I did really good, really good work and it's helped me um, at the US Open. And then I kind of like um, start believing in myself more. I start playing better, I start feeling better on court, like emotionally, I start feeling better. So I think those periods gave me so much um so much believe in myself and um um yeah so I'm, I'm kind of like i was very sad but at the same time i was like okay probably this is something i really needed and the matchup now is on as you know maybe not the one you were anticipating so how do you approach no actually we practiced here and uh before before wimbledon and i i I felt like she's she's going to do well here because she played unbelievable tennis uh, on practice court. I know it's different on practice than on match, but uh, she was able to bring this level on um, on match uh, on matches. So it's not like I didn't expect that. But uh, yeah, she's a great player, and uh, we always had uh, tough battles against each other, very close matches. So I, I really I really looking forward for this uh, great battle. Yeah, Arena, what's um What's the biggest motivation and what's most important for you? The chance now to get to your first Wimbledon final or the chance to become world number one for the first time? To be honest, I mean, I wanted both, but <laughs> but I'm trying to to focus on myself because I know that if I'll, I'll start thinking about all this uh, stuff, I'm going to lose my my focus on, on, on court, my game. So I'm trying to focus on myself right now and make sure that every time I'm on the court, I bring my best tennis. Um, and, and then uh, later on we'll see uh, if uh, if I'm ready to become world number one or if I'm ready to to play another final another final. You feel like you're playing the best like the best player in the world at the moment. Um, I mean I feel like I'm one of the best. You know there is uh, there is another uh, great players and I mean it's not like I'm the best right now. I feel like I'm one of the best. On court, you spoke of dreaming of Wimbledon since you were a little girl. What did you visualize as a little girl about the championship and what's in your mind? What images are in your mind about the possibility of winning the championship now? I mean, I remember myself, I think, 14 or 15 years old, uh, going on my practice with the headphones, listening to music and like dreaming dreaming becoming one of the best players in the world and uh, dreaming about lifting this these beautiful trophies and uh, 
I mean, that's something unbelievable and that's something what um, really motivates me a lot that I was able to become one of the best and um, I'm competing on, on, the, on the high level. So uh, that's something big, big for me. And um, I mean, I'm going to do everything I can to, to, to live this beautiful trophy. What's special, what is most special about the Wimbledon Championship for you? Uh, I think like historically, this is just a special event, you know, like even, um, even like, um, uh, how to say, in the players areas, everything like a little bit different compared to the rest of the slams, like, like top players are able to be like separate in the separate locker room. So like, it's, uh, it's, it's special. Like, and if you win the Wimbledon, you get, uh, um, how does it call it? membership yeah membership here so um yeah it's i think it's like um more history behind the wimbledon so and yeah that's why it's uh, very special john cushing from radio news hub um congratulations Angeva said on center court a moment ago that she was disappointed you won so quickly <laughs> i saw that i was in the locker room watching her <laughs> watching her interview <laughs> sending her <laughs> kisses and love <laughs> Have the advantage then in the semi-final. Uh, I think she was just joking. She's a very nice girl. She's uh, she has uh, such a good sense of humor. So <laughs> I think it's not going to give me any advantage. But uh, anyway, it's going to be a great battle, tough match. So it doesn't matter what she said. Just just fun girl. <laughs> any further questions? Um, you spoke earlier in the week about uh, wanting some clarity from the organisations uh, on handshakes after matches. I, I, have you heard anything else uh, since then from any of the organisations here uh, or any of your fellow players? Is it something you're being, that's being discussed in the locker room? I mean, players understand everything. Um, and I saw I saw tweet yesterday. So they, they, they made this statement, which is really good. I think uh, people are also... Also need to know what what's what's going on and why there is uh, no handshake between uh, between Ukrainians, Russians, and Belarusian players. So um, I mean, it's good to have this uh, this statement. So I really hope that nobody else will face this uh, um, this reaction from the crowd. Just one more thing about Owens. How would you describe the determination she shows on the court, and what makes her game special in your mind? Well, she she has a really good touch, and especially on the grass court, all her like slices, drop shots works really well here on grass court, and and um, I feel like mentally she's really strong, and uh, uh, she's making the history. I think this is the biggest motivation for her, and uh, that's why um, she's she's really um, doing well uh, this season, and especially here at Wimbledon. So yeah, I think her like tricky game is really. Um, really challenging to play against. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Kind of annoying when a lot of your questions are about players that are not you, right? But there was a lot of, that was Arena Sabalenka there, and she she was talking at the end there about Anz Jabor, who beat Elena Rebekina, the defending champion, 6-7, 6-4, 6-1, in a rematch of last year's final, Jabor said in the on-court interview afterwards that she was happy that she got the win, but she wanted to trade it for last year, because obviously last year was the final, and this is just a quarterfinal. 
For the match itself, I did see this one. Jabor served for that first set at 6-5. She got broken, and then she lost the tiebreak. And you just had a feeling like it was kind of like last year's final. And the feeling from last year's final was like Rabakana was an illegitimate winner and that Jabor should have had it. It was stolen from Jabor. It was like this grave injustice that was perpetrated against her. If Jabor is the minister of happiness, what does that make Rabakana, right? And you definitely got those feelings again today, like all those negative emotions shown by Jabor, which we also saw in the Breakpoint Netflix show in whatever episode that was. Go back and listen to that commentary track on this podcast in the archives. But you had that feeling after the first set today, like this would kind of bring it full cycle and Jabor's hadn't had Jabor has not had a great season up to this point. And, you know, losing in the quarters here after making the finals last year to the same player, that would have been a downer, you know? But to my surprise, Jabor rebounded from that and won the next two sets. 6-4-6-1. Rebecca imploded a little bit, which she's definitely capable of. It's not like she's won Grand Slams in the last year, because she hasn't. Um, you know, last summer she did terribly after she won Wimbledon. But even so, losing 6-1 here to a player that she beat last year, I was definitely surprised by that. Um, for Rebecca, she'll be fine. She's definitely one of the top players on tour, um, but uh, we'll kind of reassess where she's at a month from now after Canada and Cincinnati. For Jabor, it was she, she's had unexpected success here for me, to be honest. But, you know, because she hasn't done well this year, but now how things change quickly in tennis, right? Now she's made the semifinals of three of the last five Grand Slams. So, that's great. That's very good. Still looking for that title, though. She needs two more wins to make that happen. First, she has to get back to the final, so she hasn't even equaled her best performance. So, uh, the match tomorrow will definitely be important for getting towards that. Let's hear from... The Please raise your hand Jabir. and state your name and organization when asking your question. Ons, back into the semifinals. How does that feel? Yeah, it feels great. Uh, crazy match, difficult match, but I'm, I'm glad that I got the win this time. Uh, hi, Ons. Uh, uh, bravo. Merci. <laughs> Uh, Apollinaire France Television, uh, you said in your previous interview uh, that you wanted to follow the, the plane uh, to coach under, uh, to 100%. Uh, did you follow the plane today and what, uh, what is it? Well, the coach said I follow the plane uh, 70%, which is a high percentage, I think. And uh, yeah, it was very tough, you know, sometimes um, someone like Elena like, pushes you to um, to play a different plan, but I'm, I'm glad that I uh, did stick to to the one we agreed on. Um, even though there were very difficult moments, she was putting a lot of pressure on me. She was hitting like amazing. So um, I'm very, very glad that I stayed focused. Um, turned the anger, you know, at the beginning, uh, last set actually, um, and second set, third set was much better. 
and the anger there was like uh, more me focusing and and taking command of the game. Yeah, Paul Walsh, Air News Australia. In what ways do you think um, you've improved from this time last year, making getting this far into the tournament? Uh, where's the improvement been in your game? Do you think? I think. Uh, there is few aspects, um, a lot of experience uh, and uh, uh, dealing with a, l a different situation in matches, uh, uh, learning how to handle it. Um, that helped me a lot with the, the game today. Um, I think I'm, I'm hitting better. I'm more confident in my shots. Uh, Serve-wise, I think it's, it's, it's getting better um, and definitely needs to get better, especially playing players like, like her or Arena. You, you always need to be like serving great. Um, but most of all, I think I was hitting like fast, and um, if you want to hit hard, I'm, I'm ready to hit hard too. Ions, Alan Encryption Press Association, you said out on the court that you kind of wish you could exchange this one for last year's one. I just wonder, is it is there slight mixed feelings where you think, oh, I've done it now, but if only I could have done it last time? Um, Yes and no, because I believe that um, last year maybe I wasn't ready to play this kind of match. And uh, I, don't, I don't regret last year, you know, it, it happened for a reason. I, I always say it. Um, it was meant to be this year. It was meant to be in the quarterfinals. Uh, I have learned a lot from the final last year uh, and definitely very proud of myself for, for the improvement that I did um, mentally, physically and, and, and on uh, like with the with the tennis racket. Hi, Molly from the Daily Telegraph. Um, how did you deal with going into this match mentally? Because obviously you had the final from last year and knowing everything that happened, how happy were, were you with how you dealt with also going a set down? Because you must have then been thinking, oh no, not again. Um, well, yeah, mentally, honestly, I was uh, going uh, and had nothing to lose. And especially after losing f first set, I didn't care. I went for every shot, uh, and I think uh, I was with Martina Navratilova, and she gave me some stats. She told me like I hit 13 winners and only like three unforced errors, and I'm like, "Whoa, is this me really?" Um, and yeah, the way I played, I think um, I felt so free on the court, um, and uh, I felt like I believe in these stages of of the semifinal, the finals in the Grand Slam, and it's definitely getting closer of uh, getting my, my wish done and, and hopefully, yeah, I, um, um, I don't regret anything. I'm doing 100% from every aspect and let's see. Hafsa um, Adil from Al Jazeera English. Um, you seem to be quite a firm crowd favorite. Um, how, how do you feel about that and how do you feel about uh, the support that you're getting uh, back home and uh, what have you heard from family and friends back home? How are people in, in Tunisia following your progress? It's um, I always spoke about the connection between me and the crowd, and I believe that uh, the crowd gives me the great energy. Uh, uh, thank God they're not against me, or maybe if they are, it, may, it could be a, a good thing. I, I can turn that energy into a good one. Um, people from home, honestly, I, I'm receiving a lot of messages, so uh, I don't know. I haven't spoken to my family yet. Uh, but yeah, they're they're very happy. I know they're following, um, and um, hopefully I, this time I can go all the way and uh, really make uh, Tunisia and, and Africa proud. Matt from the BBC, congratulations. Um, you, how much was last year on your mind when you kind of stood behind the, the screens as they're about to open, and you, you stood there next to Alina, the same player again, or maybe 
when you stood at the net and you you're doing the coin toss is it is it on your mind last year at that point? Uh, a little bit when we entered the court. It uh, felt like a, a similar f feeling of uh, playing the uh, same match against her. But I, I made sure I changed seats this time. <laughs> I went for the other seat that she won last year. So maybe it's the seat that made me win today. Hi, on Alex from WCA. Um, a lot of people think of you as a sort of fun player with um, a lot of magic shots and stuff, which is something you've had all your career. Can you talk about the process of becoming a better competitor over the past four or five years, how to fight through things when your things are going against you? Well, I think uh, maybe today wasn't that much fun. I was like really hitting the ball and I maybe I did like a few drop shots. It's not the same as, as before, but uh, I was enjoying myself a lot. I was enjoying... Uh, using her power and, and, and enjoying showing that I'm not one kind of a player that only mixes and, and do drop shot and slices, but also if you want to hit hard, I'm also here to to hit as, as fast as I can. And uh, I did show that I'm not only to to the player or, or I did show it to myself too. And that's um, that really gives me a lot of confidence to, to continue uh, and, and be one of the, the great competitors here, you know, in Wimbledon or in the world. Oh, hi, Ian from the uh, the Daily Mail. Um, I just wanted to ask you um, how how far out from that game did you did you decide this particular approach? I mean, was it just? A, I mean, did did you think about this approach, you know, months ago when you reflected on last year, um, or was it just a couple of days ago? And the second thing I wanted to ask you is for those of who don't watch you all year round, I mean, where does that rank in terms of your own personal performances? Because it seemed like a huge performance. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm a different player from last year, you know, even though I wanted to to, to stick to the plan and follow the plan, maybe I, I couldn't do it last year. Um, I was also emotionally and physically tired uh, uh, at the final, you know, it, it takes up a lot of um, energy playing uh, these kind of players. And um, I think I honestly don't regret anything that happened last year it was meant to be uh this year i'm glad that i uh, i would maybe be angry with myself if i didn't change anything and i didn't do anything this match but i did and uh it, it worked very well for me even though um first set i said i should have won it uh, and then second set i stayed focused and i'm glad that i i showed another image to myself first uh, on on the court uh ranking wise um yeah, I don't know if people don't follow tennis. Probably they think it's a it's a big <laughs> upset today. But uh, uh, I, I've won against Selena before. It's it's very tough winning against her. But uh, I'm I'm glad that I'm showing that I'm here. Um, and hopefully the ones who don't follow tennis follow me more. Thank you. Thank you. Alison from the Times. Did you make yourself watch last year's final a lot and forensically analyze I can't. it? <laughs> very <laughs> difficult. I couldn't watch it. Very, very difficult. I, it's, it's. Uh, I until this day I couldn't watch this match. So uh, I can watch today's match. It's okay, <laughs> but not last year. I, I spoke. Yeah, I know, I know. But uh, even watching the Netflix show was painful, you know. So <laughs> if I watched the whole match, it would have been terrible. So I, I, I'm glad that I'm speaking with my coach a lot. And he's explaining things for me. I've watched a few points, but not the whole match. Uh, Nick from Wimbledon TV. And, I mean, it sounds like n not watching that match, but it seems as though you've digested Wimbledon last year and the U.S. Open, too. 
How long Thank is you for reminding me. <laughs> You're welcome. How long does it take you to go through those ingredients and sort through the ones that you want to keep in your kitchen versus the stuff that you want to throw out and, and not remember? Um, it's not about not remembering. I think uh, every single player, I mean, the, the first few days especially, you the match go over your, your mind, uh, especially the painful points, you know. And uh, uh, as much as it's painful, but I try to speak with my coach, get his view. Um, I believe they have, honestly, the best coach on tour because he's really very, very good and he's trying to help me as much as, as, he, as he can. Sometimes I'm stubborn, which is, makes me me you know as a player but um uh from these matches i preparing for these matches the finals or any other match i do a hundred percent so i try not to regret anything at the end and um if if i did miss something then honestly i'm just a human being i cannot be so tough with myself but i am tough with myself sometimes because i need to to be able to be in these stages i believe that i need to be tough with myself in certain uh situations but not uh, do it uh, a lot because it will probably destroy me. Hi, uh, Akin from Smash Magazine. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. So uh, in order to be able to be hitting a ball harder, did you do some like a more, spend more time on the gym and uh, you know do more physical training or uh, more like uh, hitting a ball more on the practice court? Yeah, I think I think the practice makes you perfect, like they say. Uh, I think I'm having more muscles, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, but the I think everything connects. Uh, working out, uh, feeling better physically, especially after a, a tough uh, year, starting this year, especially with the with the injuries. But uh, um, but believing that I can hit as as hard as the other players, I think that makes uh, the difference for me. And that's what I'm I'm doing right now. from in Geneva. According to Rivakina, the winner of your semi-final will have a very good chance to win the title. She's very right. I I can't tell you how tough this part of the draw, and I spoke about it. I believe that every uh, amazing grass player is playing on our side. Either Elena, either Sabalinka, Alexandrova, Gvitova. The names are, are like very, very tough. And um, I, I do believe our part is is uh, is stronger than the other part. But you know, um, every Grand Slam final is is uh, is a final, and you can change a lot of things. But uh, for me, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on the semifinal and see what's gonna happen. Just in terms of the semi-final, um, <coughs> any thoughts on um, how you're going to approach it? Well, I didn't change a lot of the style of the game, uh, playing another uh, player who hits very hard and uh, very emotional on the court. So it's going to be a very difficult match, probably her shouting that way, me shouting this way. So uh, it's going to be, uh, for me, it's going to be very similar to today. But um, uh, I'm going to try my best to stay focused and uh, take every opportunity. Um, Arena is, is more emotional than Elena, so uh, maybe it could be a good or bad thing, I'm not sure. Uh, but let's see tomorrow. I'm going to prepare and uh, take my revenge from two years ago. Yeah, yeah just on, on that meeting, the fact that you played a similar player today, do you think that will help you 
tomorrow? Definitely, definitely that will help me. And uh, I think uh, I showed to myself that I can uh, stand up against these players. And uh, it's, uh, it, it's a great proof for me uh, to start uh, the game and to be confident and to, to go 100%. And honestly, I have nothing to lose. I'm going to go and play like the second and third set like I played today. So we're just squeezing one last one. In Arabic? We're going... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I finished with English, or? Yeah. All right. And they only have the uh, English portion there, but that's fine. Um, so that was Anz Jabor. So now let's finish up with the, with the women here. Let's take a look at the new rankings. And we have an interesting thing here. So Sabalenka is number two in the actual rankings right now. If she wins tomorrow, if Sabalenka beats Jabor tomorrow, Sabalenka would go to world number one, and Sviantek's stint at world number one post-Bardi would be over. So that's a big deal. In the race ranking for the WTA, this is the ranking... Year to date, the live race rankings. Sabalenka is already at number one there. Jabor is up to number six. Vondrosheva is up to number 15. And Svitolina is up to number 22 as a result of their semifinal runs here. So, your semifinals um, top half, Svitolina against. Vondrosheva, bottom half, Jabor against Sabalenka. More on that in a bit, but let's move over to the two men's matches, the two men's singles quarterfinals that happened today. Um, we'll start with the one that began first, and that was Daniil Medvedev taking on Chris Eubanks, the sensation. Medvedev won that first set 6-4. Eubanks was tight. You might expect that. Eubanks got a break early in the second set, and Medvedev completely crumbled and imploded, as he is capable of. Eubanks won the second set 6-1. Eubanks got a break in the third set and rode it out. So Eubanks won the third set 6-4. At this point, there was definitely a buzz in the tennis world, like Eubanks has a shot here to pull this off. At that point, obviously, the scoreboard would agree. Eubanks was absolutely outplaying Medvedev at that point, which was an impressive display from Eubanks. The fourth set got to a tiebreak. It was 3-all. Eubanks was uh, four points away from winning at that point. But Medvedev toughed it out. Eubanks' game began to decline, and it definitely declined precipitously in the fifth set which Medvedev won six games to one. So Medvedev is the winner over Eubanks in a five-setter, two hours and 58 minutes. 6-4-1-6-4-6-7-6-6-1. I listened to the first four sets on the radio today. Didn't see the fifth set. Um, it was a great run for Eubanks. Hopefully it's not a one-off. I kind of get the feeling like it could be. Um, but hopefully I'm wrong. It'd be nice if we could win a couple matches at the U.S. Open. 
Eubanks is off to play Atlanta in a couple weeks. Normally, that's not a tournament to really keep track of anymore. Um, but with Eubanks being from Georgia Tech, Atlanta in a couple weeks is going to be a big event for him. So he'll be back in the relatively near future. For Medvedev, he is into the semifinals on his worst surface. He got to a Wimbledon semifinal before he got to a Roland Garros semifinal. This is the kind of matches that the top players win. They tough out lower-ranked players that are outplaying them at that moment, and they use the five-set format to their advantage, which Medvedev did. But yeah, definitely happy for Medvedev. Um, anything can happen on, on any given day. Definitely not the favorite to win the tournament, but uh, he has lived up to his seeding. He's the number three seed. He's made the semifinals. So that is definitely a good result for him. And here is what he had to say after his match today. This is Daniil Dev, please Medvedev. raise your hand, state your name and organization when asking your question. Daniil, into the semifinals. Tell us how you're feeling right now. Oh, I'm feeling great right now. Uh was a very tough match at one moment, really close to lose. Um, but uh, yeah, happy that I managed to to put myself back together. Where there was a moment in the match, I I started just losing kind of everything, the focus, the momentum of the match, which can happen, of course, uh, this level, and Chris played well. And I'm happy that I managed to put it back together uh, and step it up to, to be able to win. So really happy and looking forward to the next match. Yeah. How would you describe, now that you're in your first Wimbledon semi-final, your career journey to get to this point? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, actually, because uh, uh, I thought about this today during the match, honestly. You know, when I started losing it, I was like, okay, what's happening? Uh, wh why is it happening like this? And then I went kind of, you know, in my career, I was able to uh, to do a lot of big things, which probably four or five years ago, I didn't think I would be able to do. And that's when I was like, okay, I need to try to, to turn this match around and to do like uh, I did uh, many times to win this uh, tough, uh, tough battles at the Grand Slam. Um, in, and yeah, I would say that this Wimbledon semifinal is honestly not that much about my career past before. It's about... Uh, uh, I managed to step up my game so far uh, during this tournament. Before the tournament, I was not feeling well with my tennis. Uh, first round, I was not feeling well. And starting from the second round, it was only getting better and better. And yeah, as I say, today was a small moment where I lost, let's say, everything I was building till this moment. But I managed to bring it back and maybe even go a step further. So I hope I can do it also in the semis. Uh, hi, Neil Spires from the Express. When you're talking about the tough moments in the match, you had that code violation there. What, what, what was your take on that? And also, was, it, was there any moment in your head where you thought disqualification might be an issue? Oof, uh, I didn't do anything for this. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, so what happened? I for sure started losing a little bit frustrated. Uh, there were some balls. I almost uh, was there and I saw I was not there. So I was like trying to, to lean and the ball went in the crowd. 
So I was like, the referee is probably going to start talking to me. And he didn't. And actually, the last one where I got a code, I didn't want to do what happened to the ball because it was actually a little bit dangerous. The, I wanted to kind of uh, chip it. So it goes over the net and it dropped. Uh, it didn't bounce as it should be. And so the ball was going like this. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> that's uh, that was very unlucky. But at the end, nothing happened. So that's why I was actually surprised about the code because uh, I can understand if something would happen. I don't know, uh, you know, but finally nothing happened. So you cannot uh, normally give me a code, but we had a chat with Empire afterwards. And I think uh, we were both wrong. I was wrong with my emotions. Uh, he was uh, maybe in something else, but that's a question to him. So yeah, in general, it was a little bit unlucky situation where nothing happened. So uh, we move on. Did it hit the camera then? It mm -hmm. did. I uh, I saw that in my uh, what I saw it hit the wall. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, hey, the wall is fine. <laughs> 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 worried about the ball. Uh, he, he, for a long time in that match, you know. You know, so far back, you were maybe going to like take a seat in the chair, and he kept hitting the serves and then the drop shots. And uh, I think a lot of people were wondering, how long is this going to go on for? It went on for a really long time. I'm just kind of curious why you waited so long before you then moved about 10 feet forward. First of all, because the first set was I, I, I put I was putting pressure on him every game. I think every game was juice. Uh, I had a break point after I won uh, his serve after I broke him already, and I felt like I mean against Chris, some of the players they couldn't break him no matter standing close or far. So I was like, I think I'm doing the right thing. It's just I have to execute it better. And at one moment in the match, I, I was like, okay, I have to 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 try to change something because I think second and third set i didn't have a break point uh so that's when i was like okay i have to try to change something and see if it goes better and i straight away saw that it uh, was putting a little bit maybe more pressure on him so i just continued doing it and it, i always said that i try to see in the match what works and what doesn't and so till i started doing it i still thought that it's gonna work the way it was uh and at the moment where i thought uh, it might not i changed it Oh, Dan King from the Sun. Um, it was obvious today that the, the crowd were backing him um, more than you, but then after the match, was, you know, you got a really um, big ovation as well. Because of everything that's, uh, that's going on elsewhere, how pleased have you been that the crowd have been, you know, have been fair? And have you felt that the crowd have been fair to you and indeed to the other Russian and Belarusian players and just and supported you and appreciated you and not got on your backs? I actually don't know about others because I didn't see... Uh um many of them play i saw andre against novak i think the crowd was great uh, i didn't see arena play a lot i actually saw but with no sound so i don't know uh but about me i said after the first match the crowd uh, is amazing and i felt today that uh, they were backing him why i don't know maybe the, maybe his tennis maybe his underdog maybe something else but again uh till all the matches uh, till the quarterfinal they were amazing and as you say today uh, they were backing him a little bit more but same, when it was two sets to one, um, I was two sets to one down. I was like, okay, what I was talking, I'm down now. Let's see if they support me. And I actually felt more support as as, uh, as I said uh, in the previous match. So it's been amazing. It's been amazing. Um, let's see how it is on center court because so far I have been playing only on court one. 
But I think it's going to be uh, the same. It's going to be amazing to to play Carlos next. Daniel Sebastián Varela for Clay. And have you been able to uh, study uh, Carlos Alcaraz uh, during during this time? Uh, and what are you taking from that that match in in in, in USA? Yeah, I think Indian Wells is not going to count a lot here. Such difference, uh, so so slow Indian Wells. Uh, so. I mean, it's not going to be the same on Wimbledon. The ball bounces lower, more the serve is more important. Where there, I felt like I couldn't get three points with the serve. I saw some of his matches. I saw a little bit against uh, Matteo. And did I see anything else? I'm not sure, actually. But I saw a little bit against Matteo. For sure, going to discuss tactically uh, with my coach. But it's uh, interesting to play someone like Carlos. I mean, he he's amazing, uh, amazing player. Uh, he's still 19, right? So uh, what he continues to do uh, is just unbelievable. He doesn't stop, and I don't think he will. But uh, I played a lot of great players in my uh, career, and uh, I managed uh, to win uh, many times. So I'm going to try to do my best. And if I show my best, I'll have my chances. Just to kind of follow up on that, what about Carlos is most impressive to you? I think the power, and if when he was 17, which was actually not long ago, but he was much less mature and younger, which is normal, uh, he was missing, so everyone was kind of wondering, everyone saw that he's amazing, but everyone was wondering, is he going to find a way to miss less uh, producing the same power? And he did quite fast. Um, and so that's uh, what's pretty amazing, you know, because, yeah, you know, with him, if you give him one easy shot, you can be in trouble. Maybe big, big, big chances you're going to get uh, a winner, even with, uh, uh, let's say, in my opinion, with Novak or Andy, even Rafa, you kind of feel like you can have a, a chance to get this shot and maybe add, but then the, the thing is that they're going to have 20 more. Uh, with Carlos, maybe you're not going to get this one. It's uh, one shot sometimes is, uh, is, uh, is brutal. Um, and I think that's what uh, the most uh, uh, powerful in his game. And that's what I will have to try to deal with. Hey, Daniel. Um You've talked obviously a lot this year about um, this, uh, adapting your game to clay and now adapting to grass. I'm, I'm wondering, obviously, you, you won Rome um, and, and here um, your first Wimbledon semi-final, which is a huge deal. Is there any kind of common thread from the, the two surfaces and the way you've been able to perform better on, on both this year? On clay, for sure, I, I, I found something, let's say, adapted a lot and I found something especially in the movement. And again, I... Uh, for sure, Rome was amazing, but even Roland Garros and other losses, uh, which was Madrid and Monte Carlo, I, I played good. Uh, it's just uh, my opponents were better. So I felt like I didn't have this feeling where, you know, oh my God, Clay, I cannot win a match. I actually felt like I, I played well, just a little bit luck here and there, and still not my favorite surface, so you can beat me there. Um, and here, I would say I managed to to, to find uh, the, the rhythm, which on grass, I feel like you have to adapt less in a way. You just have to serve well and try to, to return and make one break a set, uh, which sounds easy, but it's not because uh, your opponent is trying to do the same. Uh, and I managed to find this rhythm, which um, I rarely had on grass because uh, the bounces sometimes uh, go through the court. So you're going to be late on the swing. And I managed to find it so far. So hopefully I can uh, keep it for two more matches. And, 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 oh, sorry. 
Okay. Another thing is that after three sets, you, according to the stats, you may not agree with them, but you had only five unforced errors. I'm curious just what it feels like to, to be losing. I think I, I saw the stats after the match and I was like, wow. Uh, I felt like at one moment in the match, I was just missing in a way. And it doesn't show in the stats. So first of all, it depends who made the stats, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe they were wrong. But uh, it's also possible that the way Chris plays, it's actually tough to do an unforced error because he's hitting so strong so that when you miss, it's probably a lot of the times a forced error. Uh, so when I saw after the match, I was like, how did it go to five sets? I have 30 unforced errors. And if if uh, it's always a question, do they add double faults there? If they did, I have like, I don't know, five maybe. Um, but it's true that maybe, uh, yeah, the um, uh, the way he... Uh, he hit through the ball, uh, counted to that. But what I saw is that I managed to step up my serve in the fourth set. That's what I was missing in second and third. And that was the key. I actually saw I lost two, two, two points on the serve in fourth set and one of them on the tiebreak. And that's big. That puts a lot of pressure on your opponent. And that's very important on grass. Obviously, uh, you, you weren't allowed to play last year. Does that give you additional uh, motivation to try and do well and try and win this tournament this year. And also, I would just like to ask you straight straight out, do you like the grass now? Let's uh, wait uh, for two more matches. Uh, I like it definitely more than uh, before, but uh, I want to try to go all the way and then uh, you can ask me again. Um, and uh, about last year, not really, honestly. I, I always said, I want to be here. I want to play. I mean, Wimbledon is an amazing tournament. And I wanted to do well here because it was my worst Grand Slam, fourth round. Um, never managed to um, to get into the flow here to make it click. And so I was just disappointed last year that I didn't have this opportunity to try, you know, to prove to myself that I can go far in Wimbledon, which is uh, an iconic tournament. And so that's why I was really motivated this year, uh, not especially for a long time, not playing well on Grand Slams. I was like, I want to do well here. I want to try. Uh, it's not going to be easy. Um, I sometimes try to put less pressure on myself and I feel like it's good. But this time I kind of put more pressure on myself before the tournament. I was like, I have to, I have to do well here. And sometimes it's tricky because by putting more pressure, you become uh, more vulnerable. Uh, especially if you yourself put your pre uh, put pressure, but uh, I managed to do it, so I'm happy so far. But uh, I'm going to put even more pressure for next two matches. Thank you. All right, that was Daniil Medvedev into the semifinals, where he will face the number one seed, the number one player, Carlos Alcaraz. Alcaraz played Holger Runa today. Listen. Holger Runa is a good tennis player. Carlos Alcaraz is better. He got the win 7-6, 6-4, 6-4. Pretty routine stuff. That's what top seeds do. Maybe a tough set, then they run away with it in the second and third sets. That's what Alcaraz did. I didn't see this one. I didn't listen to this one much either, but looks like I did not miss much. Um, let's listen to Carlos. Here is what he Carlos Alcaraz, had to say. please raise your hand and state your name and organization when asking your question. Carlos, semi-finals, how are you feeling right now? Uh, you know, it's, it's a dream for me. It's a dream for me, you know, to be able to play 
semifinal here in in Wimbledon. Uh, you know, it's uh, really amazing feeling right now, and that I'm gonna enjoy this moment. You mentioned it's a dream. What were your first thoughts about Wimbledon when you were young? You referred to it in your earlier press conferences, but how did things turn out if you played it out in your mind? Uh, well, um, I mean, I, I remember the first time that I came here. Uh, it was an unbelievable, an unbelievable feeling, you know, to be able to play here. And, um, you know, right now it's, it's totally different for me. Uh, you know, I can't believe that uh, I'm in this position right now in just a short period. Uh, and, you know, it's, uh, you know, uh, something crazy for me. Hi, Carlos. Howard Thundrich with the Associated Press. I want to ask you about that reaction at the end of the uh, the first set there. It was a pretty strong, loud reaction from you. What exactly was that about? And did it have to do with <clears throat> how tight that set was, tension or nerves you were feeling? What was going on there? Yeah, it was uh, nerves, tension, it was everything. You know, uh, the first set, the first set uh, it was really tough for me. You know, a lot of nerves uh, and uh, I couldn't control it at all and you know was able to to win the first set uh, it was uh, you know the, the the key to turn uh, you know to turn around a little bit you know my, my emotions uh, you know it helped me a, a lot that the huge fans that I, that I screamed after the, the first set you know to pull out, to pull out you know all the nerves and uh, start to, to enjoy the, the moment, to enjoy the match. And, you know, uh, smiling that for me, as I said a few times, is the key of everything. Carlos, Bob Morfman, it's been alleged in the Serbian press that a member of your team, specifically your father, was filming Novak Djokovic's training session over the weekend. Was that the case? Sorry? Uh, your father, it has been alleged, or a member of your team was filming on a camera Novak Djokovic's training session at Orangi Park. And I'm asking, is, was that the case? Is that allegation true? Is there any foundation to that? Uh, I don't, I don't understand the, the, the question. Uh, no. Ah, <laughs> uh, probably. Probably it is true, you know, my father is a huge fan of tennis and, uh, you know, uh, he doesn't only watch my matches. Uh, I think he uh, get into a club at 11 a.m. and get out at 10 p.m., you know, watching matches, watching uh, practice uh, from everyone and uh, be able to, you know, watch uh, Djokovic in real life, and yeah, probably it's, it is true. You know, he's filming the the sessions. You a competitive advantage at this stage of the uh, tournament because he's a rival. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I I have a lot of videos from from Djokovic. You know, uh, on uh, every platform. You know, uh, I mean, I think it's not an advantage for me. Yeah. Hey, Carlos. 
you said you were really, really nervous uh, before this match, and you just mentioned how you were so tight in the in the first set. Is that normal for you? Is that center court? Is that Holger? Because you've he's been such a tough opponent for you for almost ten years now. Uh, what what do you think was caught was the cause of all those nerves? Uh, I think it's uh, uh, Holger and a little bit of uh, playing a quarterfinal for Grand Slam. But you know, for me, it's not easy to play against uh, someone that uh, I've played so many times. You know, when we were uh, younger and we grew up together uh, at the same age. You know, uh, for me, it's not uh, really easy to play against. But uh, I'm gonna say it's uh, you know the, the opponent uh, that uh, I play with a lot of nerves. Um, yeah, uh, what, what do you think of uh, your semi-final opponent? Uh, well, uh, he's pretty tall, you know. Uh, he's playing great here on grass, and uh, he has a great, great year as well. Uh, I've lost the first uh, match we've played here on grass, so I have to learn about it. But, uh, you know, I'm just going to enjoy the semi-final. You know, I think I'm playing great, a lot of confidence right now. So it's going to be a really uh, good match, I think, uh, that I'm going to enjoy. Follow up on that one. What do you consider Daniil's biggest strengths are? Uh, well, he's really complete player. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say, you know, um, he's, I think, group left set uh, a few times. He's an octopus. You know, he catches every ball. Uh, it, it is amazing, you know, he's an amazing athlete. So I think a, a mix of, of everything, he he does uh, almost everything everything well. All right, those were the comments of the four winners today. Let's take a look. Here's an update on the ATP race rankings now that we've arrived at the Wimbledon semis. Djokovic is one, Alcaraz is two, Medvedev is three, and Sinner is up to five. So uh, the top five players in the race, four of them, one, two, three, five, are in the Wimbledon semis. And actually, Sinner is tied with Sitsipas at exactly 31.75. So, you know, technically Sinner is tied for fourth, but whatever the tiebreaker is, he has uh, lost that breaker. But anyway couple other results from today. Ladies doubles. There were two quarterfinals today. Hunter and Mertens beat Baines and Lumsden 6-2-6-1. Buskova and Cerebes Tormo beat Siegmund and Zvonareva 7-6-7-5. All four men's doubles quarterfinals were today. Krawitz and Puetz beat Murray and Venus 6-4-6-3. Grenoliers and Zabios beat Lamons and Withrow, 6-4-7-5. Kulhoff and Skupski beat Behar and Pavlicek, 4-6-6-2-6-3. And Bopana and Ebden beat Spore and Stevens, 6-7-7-5-6-2. Rohan Bopana's 43 years old, and he's in the semifinals of a Grand Slam. Good for him. 
there were no upsets in the wheelchair uh, matches today. The number three seed, I think, on the boys' doubles lost, but otherwise no upsets in the juniors either that I saw. Order of play for Thursday, July 11th. Center court, 1.30 p.m. Ladies' singles semifinals. First up, Elena Svitolina versus Marketa Vondrosheva, followed by Anz Jabor versus Arena Sabalenka. Then after that, it's the mixed doubles final. Mate Pavic and Ludmila Kichinok versus Johan Vliegen and Yifan Zhu. Number one court, 1 p.m. start, gentlemen's doubles semifinals. First, Krawitz and Puetz against Granoliers and Zabios, followed by Kulhoff and Skupski versus Bopana and Ebden. Then the wheelchair doubles men's semis. Alfie Hewitt and Gordon Reed versus Martin De La Puente and Gustavo Fernandez. And we'll keep it just to those two courts from this point on. But there is a lot of stuff happening on the outside courts still. In terms of American cable coverage, um, ESPN is going to have all three of those center court matches. So um, at 8.30 a.m. Eastern, ESPN will have the ladies' semis, followed by the mixed doubles final. That's going to do it for today. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Trips Tennis Talk. This podcast was made by Argon Productions. I did it! <laughs>